I'm just very proud of my team and really child nutrition workers throughout this country that have put their lives on the line to go out there and continue to serve meals. I just think that we hear about all the other educational workers and healthcare workers, first responders that are out there, but also I think, you know, we're kind of a first responder to really be out there and continue to provide an essential service for, for our youth and kids. Welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Ed Funding, the podcast series presented by CASVO, the California Association of School Business Officials. During this extremely challenging time, we're changing the focus of our series to bring you more topical guidance and inspiring stories from around the state as communities far and wide adjust to the new reality of schools being temporarily closed. My name is Paul Richmond, and I'll be your guide. In this episode, we'll hear how two representative school districts and their employees are on the front lines making sure that children and students continue to receive nutritious meals each day. It's a service that public schools provide that has never been more important. And we're really pleased to have on the line with us Stephanie Bruce, who's the Nutrition Services Director with Palm Springs Unified School District. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. And also with us is Andrew Solis, Director of Child Nutrition Services for San Mateo Foster City School District. Hi, Andrew. Hello, and thank you for having me today. As communities all across the state right now are adjusting to this new reality of schools being temporarily closed, we know that our school districts are working hard per Governor Gavin Newsom's executive order to continue to provide meals to their students. And for many of these students, we know that school meals are probably the most nutritious and maybe the only meals that they have access to. Stephanie, could you just share with us a a little bit about your district and community that you serve? Uh, Sure. We cover five cities in the Coachella Valley, Palm Springs, Desert Hot Springs, uh, Rancho Mirage, Cathedral City, and Thousand Palms. And we are a an economically disadvantaged district. We are about 90% free and reduced. And 90% free and reduced means? Uh, means 90% of our students are eligible for free lunch, and we provide that to them at no cost. And we are 100% CEP, which means we um, community eligibility provision, and we feed all of our students breakfast and lunch at no cost. I wanted to, to ask you, Stephanie, if, if you could share with us uh, some of the ways that your district is continuing to get meals out to your children and students. Uh, well, we have, we, we have 27 school sites in our district, and right now we are utilizing 12 of our sites um, that are we picked based on their geographic location and access to as many students as possible. Uh, and we're providing a um, complete breakfast and complete lunch uh, to each student uh, at those sites Monday through Friday. And we also have enlisted the service of our 86 bus drivers. And we have 86 bus routes. And uh, we are serving our students at their regularly scheduled bus stop. So 6 a.m. every morning, the buses roll in. We load them up with the number of meals 
that we think that they're going to serve that day, and they go out and stop at every bus stop and serve the students that show up. And our special ed routes, uh, we're actually delivering to the, the homes of those special ed students that would typically be picked up at home uh, by our buses. That's fantastic. And are you doing that with the, the same number of staff that you would typically have? No, <laughs> we're doing it with about um, half, less than half the staff we, we'd normally have. Um, we do have teachers who just want to help. We have teachers showing up at all of our sites to help serve and assist our staff. Um, we have site administration showing up to help here in the district office. We have our warehouse staff have been helping out every morning, as well as our risk management and human resource department. And so it's just kind of, you know, whoever, it's all hands on deck who's here. And that's how we're getting the meals on the bus and, and out to the students. And, and how many, I think you said you're serving how many meals per day now? Uh, well, we're serving um, on average 25,000 meals a day right now. Our highest day was 27,400, and that's about 6,000 more than we would do on a typical day with all site-serving meals. And it's more than usual because... It's more well, because we're serving all children, any, any children 18 years and under, um, we're serving, so it's not just the students that attend our, our schools, it's the, the children in the community that may go to private school or a charter school that's not part of our um, district or might be on the border of our neighboring school district that we're also serving. I see. So public schools stepping up for entire communities. Yes. Since the schools closed, are there one or two particular moments or scenes that have especially made an impact on you? Well, the first day we started doing this, what actually made me tear up was watching the buses roll into our district facility. Um, and I have an amazing picture that I, I, you know, it's actually on my Facebook and I posted it on LinkedIn. It, it's just, it, it was so awe-inspiring that all the people that showed up, it just, it warmed all of our hearts that the community steps up and makes things happen in a crisis. Um, the other moment that really warmed my heart is just, you know, the first week of this, it really felt like we had been going through this for over a month and it was only five days. <laughs> and I had a parent in our community send me an email uh, thanking my staff and what we are doing, um, telling us that the highlight of her children's day is they take a field trip to the school facility that we're serving meals. They pick up their, their meals and they come home and they have lunch together as a family. And she sent me a photograph of her four kids eating the school meals and them talking about how they know that their favorite lunch guy who works for us named Mr. Jared, um, they know that he put that meal together just for them. And it just gave them a sense of um, familiarity in this this strange new reality that we are living in. Um, and it keeps them connected to their school, which is so needed right now. That That's a wonderful story. And shout out to Mr. Jared. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll let him know. Yeah. And Andrew, how about you? Can you tell us uh, a bit about your community and your district? So the San Mateo Foster City School District uh, serves two cities, San Mateo and Foster City. 
uh, we range in our free and reduced eligibility anywhere from 4% up to schools that have almost 70% free and reduced uh, eligible students. We have about 12,000 students within, within our district uh, serving preschool through eighth grade. And we are the largest school district in San Mateo County. And with our school, school meal program, uh, we offer four of our schools where we do not charge any of the students for their meals. Uh, we provide those at no cost to them. And then we have also waived the reduced price copay throughout the district, just looking to reduce the barriers to supporting student education through providing uh, meal service. And that's just one less thing that they have to worry about. And can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the ways your district is continuing to get meals to students and children? Uh, so within San Mateo Foster City, we have four of our school sites uh, that we selected, again, geographically, kind of the four quadrants of our school district. And then we're just doing a grab and go type of meal. The students and families come up, uh, grab a meal and go. We are offering lunch for the day and breakfast for the following day. So we are providing two meals uh, during the day. And staff, we have a limited number of staff that come in. We have a couple at each of those of the sites. And then through our central kitchen, we have two of our staff members that are preparing and packaging all of the food to go out to those school sites. Uh, right now, we're serving about 600 meals throughout the four school sites. Uh, so again, it's a limited staff that we have, but it's staff that's been very dedicated and willing and wanting to to come into work. How about you? Have there been some moments that especially have made an impact on you? Well, I think what really is impactful is that the need of the community coming together and everybody coming out and, and willing and wanting to help uh, within this this time that we're in right now. Just the amount of people that have said, what can I do for you? How can I come and volunteer? How can I provide financial support if needed? Uh, and just what can I do? It makes me feel really good about this, the sense of community and everybody coming together and me having the opportunity with my team to continue to provide meals uh, for our kids. And, and Andrew, um, because you're providing some of the meals on site, I was wondering too if you could share what are some steps we're taking to make sure to, to keep staff safe and the students who are participating in the meals there safe. Yeah, we continue to tell staff, you know, make sure that they keep their six feet apart as much as, you know, as best as they can. Uh, we do have tables kind of spread out so that staff is able to keep their distance from each other. We're telling families to kind of hold back, you know, group in your family. And as soon as the one family's uh, done collecting their meals, then the next family can come through the line and pick up their bag of, uh, lunch and breakfast and be able to go. Great. And had either of you heard of, of the word non-congregate before this crisis? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Congregate feeding, yeah, which is a very interesting term. You know, it's just everybody coming together to congregate and have a meal together. And so now that, you know, we got to keep apart, you know, and the best way to do that is to have non-congregate feeding. <laughs> so... Get your grab-and-go meals. Right. Uh, 
Stephanie, what's been the biggest challenge so far in being able to meet this uh, tall order to get so many meals out? Uh, you know, keeping up, not really realizing the impact and, and the amount that we were going to serve. Um, we thought food would be the challenge, but we're we're discovering we had plenty of food to get us through the first couple of weeks. Um, and then just ordering, you know, getting orders set, moving forward, not really knowing on any given day what we were doing. And, you know, on, on uh, March 13th at 2 p.m., we as a district had decided to move our spring break up. And so we were going to have two weeks to plan. One hour later at 3 p.m. that day, our county public health closed us. So instead of moving spring break, we went into a full school closure. And so I went from Friday at two, not having to feed students for two weeks to having to figure out how we're going to feed students. So, you know, being able to operate on a dime and, and it's honestly, it's what we do in nutrition service every day. We, we are crisis management every day because no matter what happens, the students have to get fed at the same time and on time. And we always manage to pull that off. So it was just a, a, a different challenge thrown in front of us that we're working through every day. Um, and now the challenge is, you know, just to get our, our staff home um, more often and find ways to serve less days and still get the food that we need to get to our students. Right. Cause the, the staff is really putting in a lot of extra effort and time as well. They are. And, you know, and as much as we're practicing the social distancing, like Andrew mentioned, um, School food service people are huggers and it's and they like to be close together and they're a tight knit group and it's 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 a new way of thinking for them. And so, you know, we're just we're we're constantly making sure they wash their hands, which they're used to, but we're having them do it more often and standing apart. And it's it's difficult for them, but they're doing they're doing a good job at it. Yeah, it it's so hard right now because we all could use more hugs right now. So. We sure could. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual hugs. <laughs> uh, Andrew, how about the biggest challenge you've encountered? Uh, for me, it's, it's just making sure that we do have enough food at the sites for that given day uh, in, in planning. But that's kind of what kind of happens throughout even our summer meal service programs. As how many kids are going to show up to get meals today and then making those adjustments. So it's always that, that guessing game. Uh, but I'm just very, very grateful for the staff and their enthusiasm to find what it is that we have uh, in, in storage at the school sites, ready to give if we happen to run out of, of something that day, that they're just able to make that adjustment and, and crisis manage if, if taking that term from Stephanie, if, making those plans every day. Mm -hmm. If you're a um, child nutrition director, do you get to go to the front of the line at Costco right now? <laughs> I wished. <laughs> I wish I could even have time to go to Costco. <laughs> I'm, I can't, I, we're working 18, 19 hour days where there's no way we have time to shop for ourselves. Wow. And, and I think like talking about Costco and just really our, our school partners within this, all the, our school distribution uh, our milk companies, uh, all of that, the dairy companies, just everybody in the school manufacturers, just everybody coming forward and doing what they can with what they have now to ensure that we still continue to have food uh, to purchase and, and get going. Our distribution partners are still in full operation. We need something, they're, they're, they're bringing it to us. 
That's great. And I'm really glad you lifted up that part of it too, Andrew. I wanted to ask each of you what lessons um, you've learned so far that you might especially want to share with some of your colleagues in other school districts. I think for me is that, you know, people are there. They're willing to help, you know, uh, and all that takes is just a phone call. In, in normal times, if you will, you know, trying to get people to come and help and, and do things could be a little tricky. But now, you know, we really have that sense of community, that sense of help and volunteerism. And I sure hope that that continues uh, past this that we're in right now. Yeah, I, I would mirror exactly what Andrew said. And, you know, f for me, it's it's really watching my team come together and you know, it's it's not fair that they're here working and other people are, are home and that frustrates them, yet they show up every day and they ask what they can do to help support me and the students. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed every day at the amount of um, resiliency that the nutrition service personnel have. Um, they're typically the lowest paid members in a district. They're the hardest working. And in times of crisis, we're the ones who, who show up. And, you know, we might not like it all the time, but we do it and we, we do it well. And, you know, I, I, I had a little melting point yesterday when I had a truck show up and he refused to bring the load to the end of the end of the truck so that my team could take it off. And, um, I, you know, I, I was arguing with the truck driver and I was so angry, you know, cause he just wouldn't listen. And I turned around and I had four of my warehouse guys with their arms crossed standing behind me and realized that's why the guy wasn't getting out of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just, it just kind of made me proud that, you know, I was at a, at a moment where I was melting down, but my guys had my back and, they did what we're, we're not supposed to do. And we went on a, a, a truck and unloaded everything that we needed to unload. And so they just, they get it done no matter what, and they support each other. And, and that's just been wonderful to see. That's great. I, we won't get anyone in trouble if we broadcast that story, right? No, we won't. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't anybody who typically works in school distribution. Um, it was it was a private contractor. Okay. <laughs> um, any are there any um, last things either of you would like to share or highlight that maybe I didn't ask about? I'm just very proud of my team and really child nutrition workers throughout this country that have put their lives on the line to go out there and continue to serve meals. I just think that we hear about all the other educational workers and healthcare workers, first responders that are out there, but also I think, you know, we're kind of a first responder to really be out there and continue to provide an essential service for, for our youth and kids uh, to help support them personally in this time and to be part of their educational process, even in this time of distance learning and, and the different things that are going on. Absolutely. It's an incredibly heartwarming to see. And I, you know, I would just like to not just thank my staff, but every single nutrition service person out there across the state, across the country. Uh, they're doing amazing work and they're, they're getting it done and they're doing it with a smile on their face. And um, the best part is when you see the, the smile on the faces of the families that come through 
to get the meals and the consistent thank yous. And they're bringing our staff flowers and cards and pictures of their kids. And it's just amazing. And and I just, you know, I wouldn't say hug a lunch lady, but we can't do that anymore. So, um, you know, just give them a thank you and a thumbs up and that's all they need to keep moving. That's great. And I have to ask this last question. You're both individually taking care of your well-being, yes, as best you can? Absolutely. <laughs> as best we can. <laughs> <laughs> as best we can. Well, thank you, thank you both so much. I know that communities all across the state are so grateful for the work that, that both of you are doing and your colleagues in districts across the state. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank you for highlighting this. It's, it's great to be a part of it. That'll do it for this episode of Adventures in Ed Funding, the podcast series presented by CASBO. A very, very special thanks to Stephanie Bruce from Palm Springs Unified and Andrew Solis from San Mateo Foster City Unified for joining us. And to school food service workers across the state and nation who are ensuring that even a global pandemic cannot stand in the way of meals getting to our students who need them. For more information about school closures, including a link to the California Department of Education's latest guidance, be sure to visit our show notes. You can also subscribe to the podcast or leave us a note or a question. My name is Paul Richmond, and I'm your series guide. Tommy Dunbar provides all of our sound editing and music. Many thanks for joining us. Until next time, please be safe and be well. And together, we'll get through this. It's so hard right now because we all could use more hugs right now. We sure could. (laughs) (laughs) Virtual hugs.